the one to introduce. I'll let him do that in just a second, but I just want to say real quickly, this young man, first time I ever heard him preach. You know where I was? In a hospital bed in Nashville. And he blessed me on that Sunday morning, and he, uh, thank God he was here. Amen? Uh, did a wonderful job filling in him and Brother Eric Davis, and uh, uh, blessed my heart each and every time I heard him share, and he did a wonderful job there, and we're just so glad to have him here this evening. Brother Nick, would you like to add there? In honor to the Lord and his blessings in my life through the church, I want to tell you something about the Murphy family. Brother Allie Murphy, these boys' granddad. He was the pastor of Akersville, and it was in a 1957 summer, I think. I was just a young preacher boy. I had never preached a revival. And Brother Murphy <clears throat> pulled some strings and I got to preach the revival at Akersville. Your granddad was really a care man for me. When I first started preaching, <clears throat> all I heard was that these young preacher boys wasn't going to be much. They didn't hold to the old-time way, and I don't know what all. He didn't believe that. He, he, he believed I'd be all right. And it sure was good to have somebody love and encourage you and for the rest of you my mom and dad when they got married brother Murphy married them did a good job too mm-hmm. yes I knew a whole lot about the church before I knew anything about school daddy had a little farm and a few cows and we had some chickens and and Somebody in the church gave us some ducks, and Mom never did like those ducks. And uh, I really have been blessed. How about you? People are in this room tonight that God knows how you've touched my life. I'm so grateful for you. All of you, but some of you have touched me more than others. I'm really grateful for that touch. Do you think that Saul of Tarsus really expected anything to happen on that Damascus road near noon? Oh, you've read the book. I don't think he had a clue what was going to happen. Jesus did. He knew him by name. Saul, Saul. And a wonderful change came into Saul's heart that day on the road. Not his mind, his heart. With a heart man believes unto righteousness, and with a mouth confession is made. And folks, he, he not only believed it, he preached it and he said it. Uh, do you get excited about what you see or what you hear? You see, uh, Saul in his activity was strong against the church. His actions were stronger than his words against the church. And yet, God revealed a love to him that he had never known as a sinner. Jesus loved the church and gave himself for it. And we're going to see a man who was in sin, surrendered to Christ in his call on his life, and he became a friend of Jesus, and oh, what a worker for the Lord. What do you think could have happened to the church 
if Saul hadn't got saved? Do you think it made any difference when you got saved and came to be a part of the Lord's family and the church? What's the church ever done for you? Can you think of a few things? What have you been taught? What have you been told? The words and the ways and the plan of God for your life. Uh, Have you been blessed to the point that you've been useful after salvation? You know, Paul told everybody about Jesus. Have you told anybody about Jesus lately? What do folks know that you know about Jesus that you just wish they knew? Now, how will they ever know if you never tell them? Oh, you're expecting the preacher to, I know. So in Acts uh, 28, 27, there's some interesting things happening that I want to share with you. And it will take a little bit of time to give you an introduction. You see, people oppose the church. Uh, Actions speak louder than words with their opposition to the church. Uh, And yet the church is the very power of God that reached Saul. That's what he was trying to persecute, to wipe out. And and those that believe this truth preached this truth, and they were called ignorant and unlearned men. But they had been with Jesus, and that made the difference. And all of his attempts to wipe out the church in persecution, he was agreeing with Rome and the authorities And he was with the devil's plan to destroy the church. And yet uh, something happened one day that uh, he never could get away from. He was okaying Stephen's stoning. You remember? And as the stones bounced off of Stephen's body, and he was almost at the point of death, he said, Lord, lay not this sin to this man's charge. Every now and then somebody needs something that will bring conviction to him. And I think... This really was a weight on Saul's life to hear a man dying and yet saying, don't put it on his record. And yet he saw uh, Stephen died. But I want you to notice this new man with a new nature, Saul, Paul, by the grace of God. It changed his hate to love and he began to share the joy he had to others who knew no joy. And uh, we notice the scripture says that this man, Saul, was chosen of God, called of God, elected of God. It was the foreknowledge of God to do what he did for Saul, that something good could happen later. How about your salvation? Do you think God saved you something so something good could happen later? And keep on happening day by day. And yet Paul and the church, after this salvation, were mission-minded and careful to share the good news. Beginning first in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to all the world. Where should you begin sharing your faith? Oh, I'm not good at that. Have you been saved? Did you ever share a personal testimony when you joined the church and they asked you to say something about what happened? That's testimony. How long has it been since you've told anybody about your salvation experience? So you know something about Jesus that your friends don't know. Now then, in the midst of what the Scripture is revealing to us, it's still true today. There's opposition outside the church against the gospel. And there's opposition against the gospel inside the church. Hear me clearly and prayerfully. Outside the church, there was persecution and jailing and and stoning by the okaying of Rome and and, and this man Saul. And yet uh, the church under their persecution was known as a power that turned the world upside down. And therefore the authorities said, we've got to stop this. Put a stop to it. Preach no more in this name Jesus. And that's, uh, 
opposition outside the church. But I want you to look at the inside opposition of the church. The church was worshiping. I, I like to see, you know, they had a song and a prayer and, and somebody testified and then there was some Bible preaching and, and, and the Holy Spirit spoke in the service and said, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work where I do have called you. Now, it could have been a different sound than that, but that's the best I can do on Holy Spirit. And, and uh, so Paul and Barnabas agreed that they would go to the Gentiles. And Agabus, the prophet in the church, said, Oh, oh no, you can't go. We don't have anybody to sing and nobody to teach class and, and you're a pretty good preacher. And what are we going to do if you go to some... You know what these heathen people will do to you? And Agabus then, he, he took Paul's girdle and he bound his own hands and feet. And he said, Now look, church. If this is what's going to happen if these brothers go to other parts of the country to tell about Jesus. He'll bind you hand and foot and persecute you and probably kill you. Don't go. And that's inside opposition to the gospel. And yet, Paul and Barnabas okayed the Spirit's call and they left to go into other regions. Gentiles did hear the gospel. You know, I see in the scripture that Agabus and, and, and Jonah were selective Christians. You've probably never heard of it, but I just found that out. They were kind of selective. Jonah didn't want Nineveh to be saved. And Agabus didn't want Paul and Barnabas to go to other countries. And, and that's a selective religion. Just a special few that need to know about Jesus. That's just my observation of it. But you see, Antioch did send Paul and Barnabas, the mother church, out. And Paul said, I'm ready to go. I'm willing to go. I'm not ashamed to go. I'll go. I mean, do you ever catch yourself being ashamed of the gospel? Uh, and what the Lord's done for you? Several years ago, I had the privilege of being in a pagan country and the Muslims at the hour of prayer we were in a train station, and at the hour of prayer, they threw out their mats, prayer mats, and right there in the station with everybody running everywhere, they got on their hands and knees praying toward Mecca. And I know folks in Kentucky that don't even ask the blessing at the meal, and it's kind of cramping. for. And there folks changing now. Do you pray? Does anybody know you pray? Does any, anything different ever happen because you have prayed to the God who answers prayer? I'm ready to go. I'm willing. And that gospel had effective power that was preached by Paul and Barnabas. Love was greater than hate. Now remember this gospel that was being preached it was once preached in a jail. You know that. It was a Philippian jail about midnight. And they're still praying and they're singing and the preaching. And an earthquake came and the jailer got saved. That's condensing it, folks. I could go another 30 minutes on it. I mean, uh, what happened the day you got saved? Was there anything really great about it? Did you tell anybody that I'm saved? What about the Philippian jailer? Did he have a message to tell? And later, you know, Paul in his preaching ministry and being sent out to preach the gospel was at Mars Hill. Oh my, what a city. Yes, in Athens. And, and uh, he looked at all the idols around him and he said, you know, God made everything. He is the maker and creator of heavens and earth. And there would not have been a world had there not been a God who created all of this. And you worship an idol. And he said, furthermore, God doesn't dwell in temples. Now, this is Paul's preaching. And best I can do for him. And he'll correct me when, he gets, when I get to heaven. And then, you know, he, he, he said to Athens, God dwells in the heart. Where does God dwell with you? Do you know he's in your heart? Have you received his cleansing power in the heart? It's not with the head. It's with the heart you believed and received him. So what's this gospel all about? People who are friends of Jesus who share their friendship. And they went everywhere preaching the gospel. Now let me ask you, be real serious for a moment. Think of somebody you know right now that's lost. 
Have you ever talked to them about Jesus? You think he'd ever want you to talk to them about the salvation you received? You know, Paul and Barnabas make three missionary journeys just telling people about Jesus. And the home base was Antioch. They spent two and a half years in Ephesus planting churches. And later they returned to Jerusalem only to be jailed. I mean, if you're going to live for the Lord, you may have to suffer a little. There could be some difficulties. After all, Agabus said, Paul, if you go, they'll do all kind of things bad to you. What had he already been doing to other people before he knew Christ Jesus? And he said, I'm willing to go. I'm ready to go. And of course, uh, you must remember that Rome was really against Paul and everything he said and everything he did. And later they arrested Paul. And under Julius's care and control, he's being sent to Rome. And Julius is, of course, uh, the master and operator and the planner of getting on the ships that they'll need to get to Rome. Now, it's going to be a start and stop voyage. Many ships will be used. And uh, once they boarded a ship that was bound for Egypt, and uh, the storm came up suddenly and drove the ship to Lystria. And uh, while they're at Lystria, they're waiting for weather to change. From November, from October to November, no one would go on the sea, the Mediterranean at this time. It was so dangerous. And uh, while they're waiting for the skies to clear one day it did. The sun was all bright and everything was calm. And Paul said, this is not a good time to go to sea. And Julius said, what are you, just a preacher? What do you know about the sea? You'll need to read this, folks. And uh, they didn't believe Paul knew what he was talking about. And soon they get on a ship and they're out to sea. And suddenly, without any warning... It grew dark and the wind blew strong and the ship was bobbing up and down like a cork in the sea. No control. Fourteen days they couldn't see the sunshine. Fourteen days and nights they couldn't see the stars nor the moon. And this storm was called Eurycliden. And the ship crew was scared and they prayed to their gods and there was no answer. And the sailors were frightened indeed. But Paul said, don't be afraid. Everything's going to be all right. Be of good cheer. I like to use my term. In the midst of a storm, everything's going to be all right if you know the master of the storm. And Paul said, the God I know and the God I serve And the God I believe in said, everything's going to be all right. And soon there was light to dispel the darkness of the storm. And yet it kept raining persistently and it was cold. And Julius advised those people on the ship, their mates and workers who could swim to go ashore. And if you can't swim, get on a board and hold and get there. Now then, in the 28th chapter of Acts, here's what they faced when the storm stopped. A man's en route to Rome to meet his death. And when they had escaped from this storm, the island was called Malta. And the islanders were kind to them, and they had built a fire, and they received us because of the persistent rain and the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on a fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fasted on his hand. And uh, they said, boy, he's probably been into some deep trouble. And uh, he's escaped the vengeance of the sea, but he's probably a murderer. God will get, he'll get sick and vomit and he'll fall dead in just a moment. And Paul shook that snake off his hand and no harm came to him. Howbeit the islanders kept looking 
And when he didn't swell up or stutter or fall down, they changed their mind about Paul and said, he's a God. Hang on, folks. That's where God opens the door for a man to preach. He's not a God, but he's a representative of God. Let me show you something. Uh, Paul's out there picking up sticks. And uh, they already had a fire going on the island, you know. And, and folks are warming up to it, Kentucky style. And everybody's warming. And the fellows off the ship, they finally got there soaked. It's still raining. And they warm too with the others. And Paul's out there picking up sticks. And as he picks up a stick, a viper strikes him. And uh, he shook that viper off. I guess while he's picking up the sticks. And uh, they said, it won't be long now. It's going to be over. <clears throat> so then, who was this man picking up sticks? <laughs> Are you with me? He's that man on the Damascus road that met Jesus. And he's the servant of the Lord for the Gentiles. And he's picking up sticks and they're wet and it's cold and he's wet too. And Paul's actions speak louder than his words. You know, a lot of folks won't tell you about their religion and where they go to, used to go to church. And you can read the obituary and it'll say that John passed from here and he was of the Baptist faith. Now, that don't mean he was very active, but that means that whatever you think it means, I I really don't know yet. And in the midst of this action, Paul was doing something that was meaningful. And he says in 2 Corinthians, on every side, I am hard pressed, but never to the point of despair. Always being persecuted, but never destroyed. Always getting knocked down, but never defeated. My friend, that's the Christian. That's the man in Christ. It won't be easy to live for Jesus. Will you be bold enough to take the step? If you said you were saved, do your actions show it? Or do you just talk about it and never do anything about it? You see, Paul's own business. He's en route to Rome. He's a servant of the Lord. Hear him in Philippians 2 when he says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself no reputation, but took on himself the form of a servant. That's what we are. Serve the Lord with gladness in our works and ways. Come before His presence with our songs of praise. How do you come before the Lord? Are you His servant? What's He ask you to do today? Have you been willing to do it? If there is not a willing heart, you have a problem, just like Jonah did when God called him. I don't want to go. Pretty tough out there. They're really wicked over there in Nineveh. But notice, Paul was picking up sticks and he was showing humility. You know pride's a dangerous thing. America's in danger zone with pride right now in our world. With America's touch of pride. But uh, to be humble, to pick up sticks and it's already wet and it's already cold and the fire's already going and, and... Everybody's warming and he's picking up sticks. Humble. I read a long time ago and I just got to tell you this story. It's about George Washington. And uh, he and some men were riding horses one day in the countryside. And in this area, they were stone fences. And as the horses came to these fences, they were trained where they could just glide right over them, jump them. And President Washington's horse his hoof happened to hit one of the stones in the fence and knocked it off, and it fumbled down the side of the bank, and President Washington turned his horse around and rode back where the stone lay and got off his horse, and and he picked up that stone, and he walked over, and he put it right back in the same place it fell out. And a writer by that time came up and said, Oh, President Washington, you're much too great a man to do a little trivial thing like that. 
And Washington backed off and looked at the stone. He said, no. He said, I'm just the right size man to put that stone back there. Are you the kind of person that can put the stone back in place that's been knocked out of place? Somebody that's out of fellowship and somebody that had been in place, but they're not in place. You ever think about what they used to do and how they used to be and how they could be if they were loved and put back and encouraged to get back in the place they belong? Oh, humility is a great thing for us to be a part of. Picking up sticks. Listen to me, folks. Picking up sticks is continuing what somebody else started. You know, it only takes a spark to get a little fire going. But if you're going to keep that fire going, somebody's got to pick up the sticks to put it on there. I know some of you have got loved ones that's already gone that used to be in this place, keeping this place warm, right? Are you going to keep putting sticks on it where it'll be warmer I won't be here always, and God might tarry time a little longer. Will you see to it that there's a fire burning in the church of the Spirit of God, and there's warmth here? You fill a pew. You sing a song. You pray for the pastor. You love each other, and you see what a glow and a warmth it gives. Now, do you want to just warm by the fire, or you want to bring sticks? It's not too much trouble to warm by the fire. But if you really want to keep warm, you've got to keep bringing some sticks to put on the fire. Oh, something good can happen when you place yourself in the place that God has called you to be in. Oh, you see, you must continue what others have started. That's why I said, boys, granddad started something. I get to see you continue what he started. If you started anything, you want to continue what somebody else started? Everybody's important, you see, in the Lord's work. Hear the scripture, look not on every man on his own thing. Man has a need. Look at others. Who's cold in the world today in the sinful world? Who's ashamed of even coming to the house of God? Who do you know that really needs to know Jesus as a personal Savior? It's time to be kind to one another, to love one another, to have a tender heart. I know everybody don't show the same emotion, but if I can be real personal for just a minute... When's the last time you cried over somebody's sin and sinfulness? I mean, you call for folks to get saved, and we usually just say, now, Lord, save the lost in our community. Who are they? The Lord knows them. Do you, by name, do you know who's lost? That's the way the fire gets to burning. When somebody knows somebody who needs Jesus. After all, how did you come to know the Lord? Somebody had a fire going. They had a spirit of love in their heart. And they shared with you this love and this joy. But you know, as you have opportunity to do good, will you do it? You see, if you know to do good and you don't do it, hang on, it's sin if you don't. And you know to do good and you don't do that good. Oh, opportunity. It's pretty easy to pray. Now, Lord, you just bless everybody out there that's sick. The other day, the Jones family is having devotion. I just made this up, but it's really real. And uh, Papa was leading the scripture, the, the prayer, and Mama had read some scripture, and Papa was praying out loud. And he said, now, Lord, he said, Mr. Brown over here is having some difficulty. His wife's sick. And it was really true. And said, uh, he, he, he's got some financial problems, Lord, and, and the children need school shoes. And he kept praying, and he said, Now, Lord, I want you to bless Mr. Brown, his family. And he said, Amen. And Junior said, Papa, do you want that prayer answered? And Papa said, Well, sure, Junior. 
And he said, if you'll give me $100, I'll take it over to Mr. Brown and the family and tell him that we just want to share a little care and love to him. I mean, it's good to pray one for another. But sometimes people need more than prayer. Don't you tell me you don't have much to give. Unto whom much is given, much is required. We can love each other. We can help each other. There's something we can do to make the fire warmer and brighter and burn with a purpose and a power. But oh, it's dangerous to pick up sticks. You know, it's dangerous to serve the Lord. Some of you all think I'm kind of foolish and you go home tonight and you say, well, I never heard it preached like that. That's all right. The Lord called me to do it this way. And, uh, you know, it, it's dangerous. I, I used to worry about when I'd preach and go outside of the service, and there'd be a little group over here about six talking. Another, I said, now they're talking about my sermon, I can tell. Friends, they weren't. They, they was talking about cow trading and mule trading. But I didn't, the devil didn't tell I mean, the Lord didn't tell me that. The devil said that's what he's doing, and he don't know anything about conversation after preaching. But anyway, it's dangerous to serve the Lord. One Sunday, this family came to church and tickled me to death. Anytime anybody strange comes, don't you enjoy it? And I met them, told them, I said, I'm really glad you came. Where do you live? And they told me. And three or four days later, I go over to visit where they told me they lived. And when I get there and get out of the car, and they had this big gate swinging there with a kind of a loose connection and a bulldog just on the other side. And he said, and he growled a little and barked and he didn't even wag his tail. And I said, hey, in there. <clears throat> I, I, I said, came by to visit. Do you think your dog barks, bites? And they said, we don't know. Come on in. We'll see. <laughs> you know, you can get exposed to danger if you serve the Lord. I, I just think you ought to play it safe now. Don't Just toot at the horn and send them a note and tell them to come back next Sunday. I mean, who do you know that really needs to visit what do you know about Jesus that you wish to share? You think I've had any joy telling you this tonight about Jesus and what he's done for me and what he can do for you? Isn't it wonderful? And yet, this man, Paul, is on the road, on the ship, on the sea to Rome is death. Exposed to all kind of trouble. Agabus told him, well, you're going to really have a rough way to go. Did you ever hear anybody tell you after you got saved? Now, it's going to be tough for you. The devil's, and it is going to be. Did they ever tell you that the same Lord that saved you would go with you and never leave you and forsake you? I mean, I don't want this whole gloom stuff. The devil's bad, but let me tell you, grace and the love of the Lord is greater than any sin Satan can ever plan. He is victorious. He is powerful. People you know need to know what you know about Jesus. It all started through the church. Jesus loved the church. Paul loved the church. Where did he get that love? Jesus loved the church. And Paul said, I'm going to pattern my life after Jesus. Now, if you want a pattern and something to go by, go by Jesus. You won't ever say the wrong thing. And you might say tonight, now, how's that going to help me? I'm lost. Do you think I found this friend, Jesus? You think you can find him? You think he's interested in you? That's why we have church. Folks say, ah, it's just where we go to sing. It's to worship. It's to get equipped and it's to prepare us to put some wood on the fire. Make sure that it's going to be warm for somebody else. Maybe somebody right now sitting by you lost. You know it. Could you pray for him right now? Just a moment with an invitation. Could you just kind of touch their shoulder and say, I'm praying for you. If you really sense the Holy Spirit speaking to you and you want to pray and ask Christ to be real to you, I'll go pray with you. And you say, me? Go pray with me? You can do that. What shall we sing as we stand reverently, quietly,
Pastor, will you please come stand in the altar? Folks, the altar's open. We'll pray with you right here. You come if it's a burdened heart for a friend and you want to pray with the pastor and with the church about their need. Come to do that tonight. We'll pray together. As we sing, be obedient to him, I pray. Jesus, keep me near the cross. There's a precious fountain free to all a healing stream. Flows from Calvary's mountain. In the cross. Just for the joy of it tonight. Tell me where you were saved. Anybody saved at church? Hmm, wonderful. How about at home? Anybody home? I was saved at home. Yeah. You know, where else? You know, out in the field? At work? Anybody else? I was saved by Hickory Log. By Hickory Log. Amen. Yeah, another point in that message today, you know, uh, Jesus and the disciples are out in this boat, and Jesus was a little tired and weary, and he fell asleep, and a storm came up. And the disciple says, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Didn't you wake up? A storm's going. And Jesus calmed the storm. That Jesus is still the calmer of the storms for our world if we trust him. It made me, I've just got to tell you all this. Oh, I hadn't even been up there an hour yet, have you? You all been singing too. Uh, Some of you knew Daddy, Raymond Jones. Well, it's over Dover Church. He's having church and preacher preached and closed the service. Granddad, Jimmy Jones, got up and he said, Brothers and sisters, Daddy told me this. He said, you know, the Lord's been good to me. He said, we got this little old farm over here at Strangtown paid for. And he said, all my children are saved except one. And that was my dad, 12-year-old boy in the service listening to daddy's, to his daddy speak. And dad said conviction hit on him that day. And he got home and he went out here to pray and there to pray. And he said, this seemed like nothing is happening. 
Finally, he went on past the barn and he found an old chestnut log down. And uh, you folks don't know what this chestnut log is. I neither do I, but I heard Daddy tell it and I can tell it too. They're not in chestnuts anymore. And Dad said that day he bowed on his knees by that old chestnut log and he said, Now, Lord, I don't know anything else to do. I'm a sinner and I want you to save me. I'll trust you. And he said all of a sudden the Lord saved him and said he went back and told some of the family at the house and later he took an axe and he went back to that old chestnut log and later he gave me the chestnut log piece that he cut out with that axe and told me this story that I'm telling you. And that's putting wood on the fire, folks. That same Lord's still saving, folks. You know somebody needs Jesus, right? Oh, I believe while the fire's warm and I felt as good as I do, I'd try to talk to him between now. Now, I, I, I know God can save anytime, anywhere. Bow your head right now. If you're a sinner and you know you're lost and you really want to be saved, would you ask him to save you? Do you feel his spirit enough to know that if you don't do anything and you die of this condition, you won't go to heaven? You think it's important enough to say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's the way he saves sinners. The man that says, it's my sin, O Lord, forgive me. Somebody else. We talked about getting saved where you saved and... Uh, I mean, you remember telling anybody you saved after you got saved? Anybody, did you ever, when you got saved, did you just kind of keep it quiet? Or did you tell somebody about it? Folks, since I'm the preacher and been invited, I'll do kind of what I want to. I was just 10, I was just 10 and a half years old and uh, dad was in the revival. And it, it was on a Saturday and dad gave me money for work I did. I had to go get the milk at a neighbor's house and get the eggs and I got 50 cents a week and that particular Saturday dad said son when you come in to get your allowance could we talk a bit and I said sure dad and as I did things on that Saturday morning I said I don't want to go in pretty early Lord right now because I know what he wants to talk about where did I get that idea and the Lord said he wants to ask you if you ever felt like you was lost and needed the Lord dad said finally he said son you're going to get that allowance today come on in and I walk in his study and he said, sit down a minute. We won't talk, son. You know what he asked me? <laughs> Just exactly what the Lord said he would. I said, Dad, I knew that's what you was going to ask. Yeah, I'm, I'm lost. That's the first time anybody ever asked me. Holy Spirit revealed to me I was lost. He called Mom and we always got together. and our, We had three of us besides the dog growing up. And... Uh, we, we, he told mom I was lost. And I said, that's right, mom. We got down on our knees to pray. and he, he shared some scripture with me. I can't tell you everything, but I know one thing he said. He said, son, I've done a lot of things for you, but I can't do this. He said, it's between you and the Lord, and if you'll really trust him and ask him to save you, he will. Well, <clears throat> I did what he said do. Boy, Mom, Dad prayed too. I, I, I could sense heaven coming down. And nothing happened. <clears throat> and they left me in the room kind of thinking over, they said. I don't know what they said. And that room got smaller and smaller when they left. So I thought, well, I need to change locations. And I left that <laughs> little bedroom study and I go through a hall to the living room. Now, we had a place where we didn't even go until company came. And when I opened that door to go into that company room, Dad was on his knees by a chair and Mom was over by a couch. And I dropped on my knees right there in the middle of the floor and I said, Okay, Lord, I'm a sinner and I don't know what else to do. If you'll save me, I'll do anything. Uh-oh, folks. When I said anything, Lord, he, he saved me. And I said, Oh, Daddy, I'm all right. Y'all think I'm religious? Yeah, I got it. I don't care what you think. I know I'm saved by His grace. And so uh, Dad said, well, well, we ought to pray again and thank the Lord. And I, I said, let's do. And that time I said, Lord, 
Thank you for hearing my prayer and saving my soul. And uh, when I, we all kind of got over that prayer, it's at home, folks, wasn't even in the revival. And uh, Dad said, son, you think there's anybody you'd like to tell? I said, yeah. And there's a lady in Dad's church. She was kind of large, and when she walked, she wiggled. And she lived in a shotgun apartment, you know. Some of you have heard me tell this. I can tell the way you're looking at it. And she had a, a, a living room and a bedroom and a kitchen and a screen door that went to the path to the little brown building. And when I knocked on the door, she came through. I could see her. And she got through to the bedroom and to the kitchen. And when she got where she could get eye contact with me, she threw her hands up and she said, Lord, honey, child, you've been saved. And that's, I said, Lord, Miss Hayes, that's what I come to tell you. How'd you know? She said she'd been praying for me. Thank you, folks. That's what I'm going to heaven on. How about you? Do you have an experience that you know you know Him? He knows you. He calls your name. He planned your salvation. He planned your work. Now, if you don't want to do anything for Him, you expect it to get cold and chilly. But if you do something for Him, it'll warm up the fire and there'll be some sticks burning and there'll be somebody else want to come and warm. Y'all kind of glad you came tonight? I really am proud you came. I hope you have a good Monday. And now they've asked me to come back one more night. And uh, so... Uh, but I, I, I don't want to go without thanking the Lord for allowing me to be here today. Okay? Lord, with thanksgiving and praise, it's all to you, I owe. Couldn't have been brought out of sin without your grace and love. Couldn't have known your call without your enabling grace and power. Couldn't have done what I've done, Lord, if you had not enabled me and equipped me with your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for a wonderful call from sin to grace, a call to service, and a blessing from day to day. Bless us, people. Guide them. Give them good things, I pray. May things happen now because of their communion and touch with you in prayer tonight with a friend that needs Jesus. May they come to see and know their salvation, I pray. And I ask it in Jesus' name with all who may have prayed. Amen. Isn't he a wonderful God? Thank you for that piano playing. It makes my talking better, I think. I love it. House of the Lord. Amen. I almost messed up his sermon a while ago. I thought there was a snake up here, and I looked at Nick and I said, That's not my contract. I don't I ain't messing with messing with that thing up here, but wonderful, wonderful word tonight, and we just thank uh thank God for that. Any word from anyone this evening? Hey, Brother Charles. Anyone else? Yes. No, Megan, never, never. Amen. Bless that, Megan. God bless that.
Such a wonderful, wonderful family. Thank God for them. <clears throat> Anyone else? That Randy, bless that. Anyone else? Bless it. Definitely is. God bless that. Anyone else? Now, I believe our salvation story is a wonderful thing to share, isn't it? Amen. Share it with someone, but I think also you have to live it every day, don't you? Amen. I'm not going to embarrass him. I'm not going to look at him when I'm telling this story, but. Uh, there's a young man here that's a little taller than I am. You all know Billy Joe Murphy over here, don't you? <laughs> I was having a funeral a few weeks ago, Rosa's funeral, uh, funeral home there. And, and as I was looking over the congregation there, and I saw some folks coming in, and I saw Billy Joe and some of the rest that, uh, from the school that was there. And they came, and I shook their hands. And, you know, a lot of folks, they'll come before the service, and they'll tell everyone how... Uh, how much you're praying for them, how much they care about them, and then they'll leave. Well, you know, I was sharing, stand up to preach, and all the preachers here can tell you, when you see somebody you know, that makes you feel good, doesn't it? And I looked out, there's Billy Joe. He stayed the whole entire service. At the end, when we're walking out, everyone's walking out, Billy Joe's there. Tell me a better testimony than a young man and the school would come and be there for that funeral. And Billy Joe, I just appreciate that, buddy. I always had respect for you, but that day, whoo, that was extra special. We thank God for that. And I look over at a lot of, a lot of folks here, BJ's, you think Megan was shy, Megan. You should have seen BJ, and he little. It took because forever to get him to sing. Look at him singing up here today. That's a wonderful testimony too, isn't it? We just thank God for all of you that's been here tonight. Looking forward to a wonderful service tomorrow night. Here's what I need from all of you tomorrow. Last Sunday morning, <clears throat> well, I think it was two Sunday mornings ago. Nick, you helped me out with this. We had 45 at church. Last Sunday, we had 45 with a whole different crowd. Okay? You know, the preachers know what I'm talking about. Today, we come to church. Guess how many we had? 45 with a whole different crowd. <laughs> we come to church tonight. And we have how many? 45. So, tomorrow night, 
Let's have at least 46, okay? Let's break the number, okay? You come back. If everybody's here tonight, brought somebody with you, boy, we'd double up to 90. Wouldn't that be great? Work on that tomorrow. I know it's Monday. Right now, I don't have to go to work. That's such a blessed thing to think about on a Monday. But it's Monday, and I know you're going to be tired, and you're going to be worn out, and you're going to experience things tomorrow. And the old devil, I guarantee you, is going to work on you hard. And he's going to want you to stay home. And he's not wanting you to be a part of church. But make that effort and listen to God and be a part of that. Yes. Come back and hear Joe Murphy sing. That would be a blessing. Always is. Definitely is. Joe didn't get to hear it this morning. But we were really talking good about you, Joe, wasn't we? Church. About how he shared the right preachers at the right time. And it all went very, very, very good. And we just had a... Wonderful service last night, and uh, we just thank God for that. Well, all of you come back tomorrow night. Be safe going home. I know God's going to bless us. Be much in prayer for us. And we've got some great rest of the week revival going on through Wednesday night, and we just hope you can be a part of it. If you can, grab somebody by the hand, and we'll have a word of benediction. Randy Davis, would you lead us in a word of prayer, please? Yes, Jesus. Good job, brother.